All right, we're continuing today with uh, 1 John, and we're in uh, chapter 3 of 1 John. And, uh, of course, John is the book in the Bible that's famous for love, and this chapter is where we uh, really get into that. And so I thought I would just list, uh, give you 10 characteristics of love from John chapter 3. But look at uh, verse chapter 1. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we would be called children of God. And I think, number one, love is a gift. Joel made a picture for our faith, and I can't remember if it was for Christmas, but it's actually a saying of the guy that I wrote my Ph.D. dissertation on, Slavoj Zizek. And the saying is this, he says, if you have reasons to love someone, you don't love them. And what he means by that is if you love someone because, oh, I love your curly white teeth. Uh, Well, a lot of people have curly white teeth. Or I love your, you know. That is, the true love is not something that is caused, but it's a gift that we give to one another and that God has first given to us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so this agape love that John is describing throughout, it is one that's first given to us and then we're enabled to give it to other people. Um, The other thing here is that love unfolds in this chapter in conjunction with hope, with purity, uh, with the idea of righteousness. You cannot love and sin. So John draws... Uh, he describes how the process unfolds. He says in verse 2 that, uh, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when he appears we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. I think throughout he's building on this concept in other words in this even though in this verse he's not used the word love he's saying that we will be transformed into his likeness which is talking about a future appearance of God you know when he appears we'll be like him we will be purified in and through this hope and of course he's going to go on to say unless you're pure you cannot love you cannot sin and love so that the ability to carry out righteousness, the ability and think here, you know, what stands behind all of this is Jesus' great commands to love your neighbor and love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. He says, those who continue in sin have not seen God and they do not love. So in the past, you know, if you in some way are sinning, it obscures your ability to see God. It obscures your ability to understand who God is. Believers, on the other hand, recognize Him. And those who contemplate seeing Him become pure, He says, like He is pure. That is, in the present sense, we are making ourselves pure through our hope that we have. We love because He first loved us. If someone says, this is from First. Uh, chapter 4 actually I love God and he hates his brother he's a liar you can't love God whom you've not seen and hate your brother whom you have seen so this is a process that we're continually involved in 
We have this commandment from him. The one who loves God should love his brother also. In chapter chapter 3, verse 6, he says, No one who sins has seen him or knows him. That sin obscures our ability to comprehend, to apprehend who Christ is. And it obscures our ability to even love in the sense of an agape love. Throughout Christian history, there has been this pursuit of a beatific vision of God. And some people, some ancient thinkers associated with this with death or with the end time. But of course for John it's not when you see God, it's in whom you see God. It's not in eschatology, but it's Christology. Where they see God is in Jesus who has come in the flesh. That's what he says in verse 2 of chapter 4. Paul says something similar. He says because Jesus is in God's image in 2 Corinthians... Those who behold him are being transformed into the same image. We're becoming like him. We talked this morning of Moses in that same passage that though he saw the great theophanies of God and though he received these letters engraved in stone and though we could talk about it coming with glory, this is a fading glory. It's a temporary situation. The permanent reality that we have in Christ is to be found in this agape love. Here's where we know God. We experience the fullness of the presence of Christ. Number three, love is obedient. Little children, make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he's righteous. Verse 7 of chapter 3. Jesus equates obeying the law. With the, you know, the two great commandments. All of the commandments are summed up in the love commandment. So love fulfills the law. Because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing to him. John says in verse 22 to 23. This is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son Jesus Christ. And love one another just as he commanded us. Love covers up a multitude of wrongs. If we can love one another, here we've come into the fullness of the gospel. Paul says that though you speak in the tongues of men and angels, though you you know prophesy, though you do great things for God and you have not love, then it is nothing. He says, even if I would commit my body to the flames as a martyr of God and I have not love, it counts for nothing. Here's where things really count. If you can't love your brother, you can't love God. Love lays down its life for the sheep is the fourth thing. In verse 16, we know love by this that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. In this we've talked about this, you know, the difference between agape and phileo I don't know that it's there in the contemporary Greek, but it's certainly there in the Gospel of John and in the epistles that by the time we get to the the end of this, we understand that the love of Christ is a love that lays down its life for other people, lays down its life for the brethren. This is the teaching of the Gospel. Uh, I think it's directly tied to salvation. This willingness to lay down your life. 
uh, you know, we did the four scenes in John. There's the foot washing scene when he talks about if you love one another, then you must be the servant of all. There's the scene in which Peter makes the great confession and then immediately fails. He denies, you know, the prediction is that Jesus says, you're going to deny me before the cock crows three times. And then there is the account of Peter immediately after that. I think what Peter misunderstands is the love of God that Jesus is conveying. Peter thinks that self-sacrificial love means, oh, I'll go down in a blaze of glory whacking off people's ears and heads. It's very hard to love somebody who you're whacking off their ear, right? You cannot kill, you cannot hate, John says, and love. Agape love, and this is the lesson at the end of John, is one in which Peter, you know, Jesus says, do you love me? Then lay down your life for the sheep. And like I am about, you know, I've laid down my life. So love is self-sacrificial. Number five is very much tied to number four. Love imitates Christ in service. Uh, you know, this is what is the, the death of Christ? Is it a vicarious sacrifice in which he died and we don't have to? No, Jesus died so that we can take up our cross and love in the same way that he's loved us. We move from a sacrificial system, you know, where Peter would sacrifice himself. We move from a sacrificial system in which we would love, you know, hate our brother and sacrifice our brother to one in which we would lay down our lives for our brothers. Um, when Jesus is about to be ascended, he's about to depart, he tells his disciples that they are to love by loving, you know, you experience love by loving one another. Uh, he says that as I have loved, then you are to love one another. And he says in, you know, in the farewell discourse that this love lays down its life. He makes it explicit. And this is the way in which Jesus continues to be present. He says, I'm departing, I'm leaving, but actually I am not leaving you alone. I'm leaving you with the gift of the Holy Spirit who will guide you into all things and most importantly, this gift of love. So when Jesus loves, he washes the feet of the disciples. When Jesus, you know, love... uh, He lays down his life. When believers love, they follow the example of Jesus in their serving and caring. Love is a visible action. It's an an imitation of the service of Christ. Culminating in, Jesus says, greater love has no man than this, than that he lay down his life for his friend. The sixth thing, love keeps the word. It does the word. It it acts in and through the word. And the word here is the capital W word of Jesus. In verse 3, everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. In verse 18, little children, let us love not with word or with tongue, but in deed and in truth. He says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. God's presence is in and through the word which is Christ. My Father will love him and will come and abide in him, John, uh, uh, the gospel says. In John, Jesus says the word fulfills the function of the law. It fulfills the function of the temple. 
in the obedience, that is, that we're enabled to carry out the righteousness of God. We might talk about who God is in and through communion and communication of the love that the Father has for the Son through the Spirit. Well, this is the, the thing that we're caught up in. That you know, Jesus prays his high priestly prayer that may the Spirit abide in them as you know, I abide in you, this abiding love. And that's the seventh thing. Love is an abiding, familial, spousal, father you know love it's something that we have when we cry out Abba Father in verse 1 how great a love the Father has and of course it's John that uses the term for God uses Father for God more than anyone else he says in verse 9 no one who is born of God practices sin because his seed abides in him and he cannot sin because he is born of God That is, we are connected. Something even deeper than genetics. We're connected then through this, the seed of the Spirit, showing itself in love. He who does not love abides in death, John says in verse 14. On the other hand, in verse 24, the one who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him. We know this by this, that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. How do you know you have the gift of the Holy Spirit? Do you have love for the brothers? There is the sign that we are bound together, that we abide together as a family. And so throughout, you know, this love overcomes. That's our problem as we're divided. That's our problem as we, we are in some way alienated. David and I are doing, we're, we're having a group and we're all reading uh, Jean Vanier's book on depression. What does he say is the cure for depression? That people love you and that you find love in your life. That people accept you as you are and they love you. And then through that we bring out our fullness, the best that we are. Um... As many as received them, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. Even to those who believe in his name, we're born of God. Not of blood, not of the will of flesh, not of the will of man, but of God. And by this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. He who does not practice righteousness is not of God. What is the righteousness of God that we practice? It's here in the love of God. Uh, he says he says this explicitly the one who does not love his brother does not practice righteousness the one who loves his brother you've completed the law number eight love is based on egalitarian uh, 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 equal kind of relationship a reciprocal relationship this is the foundation of human friendship You know, Jesus in the Gospel of John says, I no longer call you slaves or servants, but I call you friends because that's what you are. Because I've shared with you everything. So the love commandment is a a commandment about reciprocity. Believers should love one another as Christ has loved us. Um, It is the idea of, of... 
the Father and the Son and disciples all love one another. The Father loves the Son, the Son the Father, the Son loves believers and believers love the Son, you know, so on. That it's a reciprocal relationship. And, you know, throughout, I think, the demonstration in both the, the epistle and the gospel is the basic friendship. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, it says. Our friend Lazarus, it says, Jesus calls him. Maybe this is one of the prime examples of love and friendship. And it's right after the scene with Lazarus that Jesus gives the new commandment that he says is not a new commandment, but they love one another. And it's on the pledge of friendship, conditioned on obedience. If you do what I command you, and what has he commanded us? To love one another. Number nine, love is nonviolent. Love, even in laying down its life, puts away the sword. In other words, Peter would lay down his life in the first instance with the sword. This is the message which we have heard from the beginning, verse 11 and 12, that we should love one another not as Cain, who was of the evil one, and slew his brother. At a minimum, we should not kill each other, right? Good idea? (laughs) Uh, We shouldn't kill other Christians. And if we start from there, can you love someone and kill them at the same time? I think it's very difficult. The way that we love other people is we put away the sword. We do away with violence. Jesus commands Peter, put away your sword. And that command is with us for eternity as Christians. We are here not to wield the sword, but to wield the cross of Christ in love for the brothers. And Peter testifies, you know, at first I'll lay down my life. And he misses the point. You can't lay down your life in the way that Jesus means. And do what Peter did in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, and I think that we're given that scene, we're given that, he, Peter misses this whole thing, and I think if we don't read the gospel rightly, we won't understand the epistle rightly. Um, he's, you know, he gives this to all of the disciples that you are to lay down your life. They don't get it. They don't understand it. The only way they know of laying down their life is the way that Peter would do it. You know, that's the old samurai way. Every good soldier would do that. But that's not what Paul, Jesus is calling us to. He's calling us to something more radical. Put away your sword, Peter. And the great lesson of the gospel then is to, uh, you can only love then by laying down your life and not laying down other people's lives. It's only through self-sacrificial service that we can love. Number 10 is everything, and that love is life. Love is the meaning of the whole thing that we do as Christianity. It is stronger than death. It's stronger than the orientation to death. John says in verse 15, Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. 
And of course, this is the picture that in the course of our lives, we're caught up in things. You know, think Nicodemus. He's caught up in being an important Pharisee. The Samaritan woman, she's caught up in looking for love in all the wrong places. And Jesus says, I am the water of life to the Samaritan woman. He says to Nicodemus, you must be born again because you're not really living now. But people are living lives that are really an orientation to death. Death overshadows life. And one cannot cross from life, from this life to God, apart from crossing over then this orientation. That we've been conquered by the world and we need to conquer the world. So love and life arise together. To love is to live and to live is to love. In verse 14, we know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brother. He who does not love abides in death. And of course the implication, he who loves is living. Now you're alive. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. Because they did not know him, they did not receive him. But as many as received them, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. For God so loved the world that he gave us his Son, and we then are enabled to love as he has loved. Let's sing our hymn of the